to Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam is up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, don't beam us up. Beam me up. Energize. Hello and welcome to Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am Ushin. And I am Andrea. And today we are discussing episode 17, Rogue Planet. Enterprise discovers a rogue planet which has broken out of orbit and therefore is devoid of any light. I have so many things to say. I have so many things to say. Really? Yes. Okay, go. Okay, so first of all, I did not like this episode. <laughs> okay. Did you remember it? Yeah, no. No, actually, I didn't. Okay. But it doesn't make sense. Scientifically, that a planet with no sun can have life inside of it. It don't make sense because, yes, there's no light, but there's also no heat no anything like how is it how does it keep heat? no andrea there's thermal gases there's thermal gases that rise out of the out of the planet yeah but wh- and how, they create how how does the air inside of the planet get hot when the planet doesn't have any heat source because planets are just rocks right no planets are just rocks or gas so imagine if the Earth right now got out of orbit and yeah. we started drifting away in space. First of all, meteors and shit would destroy us, but that's fine. Imagine we are just cruising through the universe. And no, because our core is warm, but it's going to run dry. It's going to stop being warm if we don't have the sun. I mean, I'll take I'll take your word for it. I don't know. Like, my logic is the universe is freezing cold. Like, between stars, the vacuum and the emptiness of space is cold. Yeah. So if you don't have a sun that is giving you heat and helping keep that temperature up, if you're just in a void, you're going to freeze. That's what happens if a human got out in space without any suit or any protection on. You would just freeze to death. And it's not going to be instant, obviously. But this planet has been going rogue for a long time now. Yeah. So my logic, in my head, it makes sense that the planet would just be a meteor at that point. It would freeze, everything inside of it would die, and it would be just a rock in space until either it found another orbit or something destroyed it like a collision, or it would just continue going nowhere. But I don't see how the Earth would survive without the sun. I don't know. Like I did think about that, but I, I didn't think about it too much. I don't know how geothermals work, and if the Earth's core is only hot and liquid because of the sun, 
I genuinely don't know how that works. I don't know if Earth fell out of orbit and drifted in space, would the core freeze as well? Maybe it would. I mean, it makes sense that it would, but yeah, I didn't think about it too much. It did bother me that there was plants. Yeah. Green plants. That was like, come on, guys. Green plants, there were bioluminescent bugs, which they also don't make sense to me, but I guess because at the bottom of the sea you get bioluminescence. Yeah, and there there are like seaweed and there are plants that don't use sunlight. Yeah, but not big. That Those are tr- palm trees. Yeah, but also, you know, space, science fiction, we don't know how the universe works. Who says that green we is limited to chlorophyll? We don't know have one brain cell combined. I'm willing to accept that the universe is so big and vast that it is possible for plant life to evolve that is green that doesn't use chlorophyll and sunlight. Okay. I'm not I'm not willing. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you draw the like, line. <laughs> yeah, it's if you if it wasn't green but like how In fairness though, it did look kind of green, but we're kind of assuming because there's no sunlight. Yeah, there's no light. So that's another thing that I wanted to comment on. Why so dark? And yes, I get it. It's a dark planet. There's no sun. Yeah. So it's light. But they could use better lights. They knew that it was dark. The lighting was terrible. And and this is a, a normal thing, I think, in shows that they make them so dark. Yeah. Why? You're usually not watching it at noon with the sun on your back. So you're able to see. You're usually watching it at night with low light. So you're not going to see shit. Yeah, I had to pull the blinds because I was watching it during the day. But aside from the science side of it and that bit of disbelief that you couldn't suspend, did did you like the episode otherwise? Other than the big fact that I did not like the science in this video, which is... Like, if the science part of the science fiction is taking me out of it, it's a bad episode. So, Fair. so besides that, it was a meh episode. Yeah, I would agree with that. The science didn't bother me so much, and I actually enjoyed the episode while I was watching it. But then afterwards, when I was going over my notes, I kind of retrospectively was like it actually wasn't that good it doesn't really make sense not the science part of it but also i'm gonna skip to the end there's this mystery throughout the episode of who this woman is and why she's coming to archer and what's the purpose of it all yeah and for some reason well no not for some reason because they want to keep this mystery throughout the episode they have the hunters, the Eska, I think they're called, not tell any of the Starfleet crew about these wraiths. Well, they do mention them in front of Reed, and Reed just doesn't question it at all, despite the fact that wraiths sound terrifying. But they don't tell anyone about them until the very end, when they quite happily reveal that, yes, there are these shape-shifting wraiths that we didn't actually tell you about, even though you were seeing this weird woman. And it's like, well, why didn't you just tell them earlier? Why were you hiding it? Because they don't have any justification for hiding it from them. They casually mention, oh, we thought you were wraiths for a while. But once you don't know their wraiths, surely you would tell these people about this dangerous shapeshifter that has been killing your race for, you know, obviously you're hunting them. But you believe you're hunting them out of revenge. 
and that you're actually in some sort of battle. It was really it, that bothered me because it doesn't make sense that wraiths were hunting because they are in a rogue planet. <laughs> like, just make up an, another story. Like, yeah, that also confused me because surely this rogue planet is getting further and further away from anything. the hunter's home planet. Yeah. It's going to get to the stage where you're going to have to leave earlier and earlier every year to get these four days of hunting. And then, how did they discover this planet? Was it in their system originally and it got knocked out? Or, yeah, I wanted to know more about that, if anything. I don't, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care, but yeah. So, I have some notes. On the commentary that you like to do about how you like the characters or don't like the characters and stuff. I did notice in this episode, so in every episode so far, Captain Archer has been subpar. Many things that he could improve very heavily and necessarily improve. Uh, but you know, he's charming, he's whatever. This, so you know when you learn a new word and then you see it everywhere or you found out something about someone and you keep seeing that thing? I realized that in this episode in particular, I would have to go back, which I'm not going to do, but I'll try to keep that up for the following episodes. But his convincing techniques are, at some point he says, we can find a new landing site, but we want the company, or we would like the company, or something like that. And then he also says, we don't hunt anymore on Earth, but thank you for the meat. So it's like, he contradicts himself constantly in the same sentence. It's not like, oh, thank you for the hunting thing, but I don't eat meat, which would have been a thing for T'Pol to say, but in the same in the same sentence, he's contradicting himself and he's trying to manipulate. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. And I'm sure that there are more examples, but these are the two that I made the relation to. No, I agree. I think what I said before is that there's almost superiority to him, and he can come across as just passive-aggressive sometimes, because he'll comment, like you say, about how, oh, hunting went out of fashion on Earth, but we'll respect your traditions, I think he says as well. And it's just very passive-aggressively basically saying, we think we're better than you, but we'll still respect your, you know, inferior ways because you're being nice to us. Yeah, it's um, condescending. Yes, it is. It's condescending. So are you blaming me for pointing it out to you? No, because you're watching it for the first time. So obviously these characters are new to you. And honestly, I've never watched this episode critically before. Or any episode. I don't watch shit critically. <laughs> I don't... Uh, if I don't hate you, that's a plus. So, like, I haven't ever seen something and stopped to think about it and talk about it. You know, like, that is something that we do, but it's not something that I do on my spare time. Yeah. So, now that I have to, because I have to think of things to say in these episodes, it was something that I realized just watching it. Like, God, this is either very bad writing which it could be, because we've talked about it before, that the writers are not the greatest. Or it's just, the character is just like that. Like, he's a condescending, passive-aggressive piece of shit. So, yeah. 
that was something I noticed. Yeah, and in this episode, a passive-aggressive horny piece of shit. Yeah, again. <laughs> That's not new. And I absolutely loved to Paul calling him out on it as well. <laughs> and even better, when she says that, she says... With respect, Captain, I wonder if you would be so determined to find this apparition if it were a scantily clad man. I have that quote written down. And then, but she leaves the tent and the camera lingers on Archer for a while. And then we cut to him still going off in search of her on his own. <laughs> and I love it. It's like, he thought about what she said was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't, but it, it's a scantily clad woman and therefore I'll still go, <laughs> still go on my own. <laughs> Whereas logically you'd think, and this is obviously where Chapal is coming from because she's a logical being. If you're seeing this hallucination or this image of a woman and you want to convince other people that it's real, you would probably want them to come with you and see it for themselves. <laughs> logically. But, <laughs> yeah, logically. Keyword. Keyword. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's two things. Like, do I want other people to believe this or do I want to get my dick wet yeah exactly i was trying to be <laughs> <laughs> trying to come up with a nicer way of saying it <laughs> no <laughs> uh, and i have to be honest i'm glad he didn't but there was a moment at the end in the final scene where i thought hang on is he gonna kiss this wraith who's <laughs> honestly honestly at that point he's her and then she turns into the slug she is. Yeah. And he learns his lesson. That would have been an amazing end to the episode. Yeah. But it is an interesting end to the episode and that line because, and obviously you're not going to give any spoilers for me here, because it ends on this line of, oh, keep looking for whatever you're, you're looking for. You'll find it in the end. And I'm curious as to whether that is hinting at some future great romance for Archer. I'm curious if we'll see that woman again. Maybe he'll find some alien woman who does actually look exactly like that, which would be weird. Or is it some higher purpose that he's actually looking for? I'm curious to see whether the show will even remember that. I don't think so. I also have another thing to say. I have so many things to say. This episode was bad. Great. I think you hated this more than I... Well, not hated, but you disliked this a lot more than I did. I disliked this, yes. They finally take Hoshi on a mission to a planet. Anyway, to a dead planet. <laughs> That's okay. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. She's a linguist. And she's the character with less lines in the whole episode. Yeah. Why take her? Don't take her if you're going to do that to me. Yeah, I had notes on this as well. And what bothered me about it was that they're going out to this planet, and they know there's a ship there. They don't know if there's anybody with the ship, and they don't know what condition the ship is in. Mm -hmm. But they don't take the engineer <laughs> again. <Nope. laughs> but then, but then, once they meet these people and they realize that they're okay and their ship's okay, they then do bring down the engineer for reasons. I don't know, and it struck me as just really annoying because I get that they wanted to have 
those trip archer conversations and their friendship lends itself to those conversations but surely there's a way of writing it so that archer has that conversation with hoshi or even reed god help us like and build those relationships <laughs> because we know there's some history between archer and hoshi or we assume there is because of the way he recruited her but the show has done nothing to delve into that yeah, I I don't know why they brought Hoshi, because she served no purpose. There's no scene of them learning these new Eska's language. She's there for no reason, and then they send her back, and they bring down the engineer so that he can have these emotional conversations with Archer. And speaking of Reed, I actually thought this was going to be a Reed episode. And one of the reasons I thought that was because the synopsis, which I read out at the start, I, I had to edit it because... It originally said that Lieutenant Reed discovers the rogue planet, which is factually correct. It is him who announces that they found the planet. But other than that, he doesn't really have any role to play in the episode, aside from going on the hunt with them, which we all expected because they've got guns. <laughs> but like, even that comes to nothing. I was like, oh, okay, Reed's going to go after them. Maybe they'll turn on him or maybe he'll learn something about them. But no. They have the opportunity, because as I mentioned, they literally talk about the wraiths in front of him, and he just doesn't ask anything or query. And then after that scene where they originally discover the wraiths, and he, he's taken away by one of them, he basically just disappears for the rest of the episode. It's really strange. Yeah. And there was no connection between anything that happened. Yeah, even when he's taken away, the hunter says to... The other hunter who's taking him away, he says, take care of our guests. And I thought that they were going to be some, like, mafia style taken care of. But no, there's nothing. And this feeds into what I was saying earlier about how there was this air of mystery around the rates that they weren't telling the Starfleet crew about them. And so I was even wondering if it was going to turn really dark and the crew were going to turn into the prey and the guys would hunt them down. Which would have been pretty cool. Yeah. But no. It's just, oh, they just somehow forgot to mention them until the very last minute. But it doesn't... So I they, just... I, there's no reason. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. There's no reason why, having heard that Archer is having these hallucinations of a woman, a human woman, there's no reason for them not to tell them about the rapes. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you know there are telepathic creatures, warn a guy... Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's not likely that you saw a woman because there are psycho psychological. There are crazy creatures that will kill you and transform into your desires and lure you in. Like, just lie, but like correctly. Like, don't lie in. This is what bad boys do in movies and stuff that don't make sense. Like, if you're truthful at first, you make me trust you, and then you can kill me. But if you're not truthful, whenever I find the truth, I'm going to be like, so why didn't you tell me? When I told you that I was seeing a woman that I found familiar and I felt... Because Archer does a good job of, <laughs> of explaining how he feels when describing how he feels with the creature, like with a woman. That he feels drawn to her, that he feels connected to her, that he knows her. You know that there is no woman and that there is a shape-shifting species in the planet. That was your moment to come clean and be like, actually, 
My man, that is the creatures that we come here to hunt because they killed us. And you make the guests, the outsiders, get on your side. Because otherwise, he's going to continue trying to find this woman because he thinks she's in danger, which she is. And then you're going to look like the bad guy. Yeah. So just, if you're trying to be a dick, just be truthful about it. That's my advice. Yeah, like, they don't gain anything from not telling Archer what it is. Because it's not like they're even using him as bait to try and hunt the race. They just let him go off anyway and do his own thing while they hunt. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they gain from it, from not telling them the truth. And it's not like they... Like, they could suspect that they're going to interfere in the hunt, which they do, but that's not mentioned. They don't say it. It's very weird. I think it's purely done so that they can maintain the mystery throughout the episode of who is she. Yeah, probably. Like, they could even be like, oh, there are shape-shifting creatures on this planet, but we've never known them to transform into humans or into humanoids. Even if it's a lie, but you can tell that, so maybe there's, like, the possibility of it not being the creature. I don't know. It was a very underwhelming episode, because they could have done a lot more with it, and they didn't. And I didn't like it. And also, planets just don't go rogue and sustain life. Changed my mind. Astrophysicists of the world... Please let me know if that is a possibility that the Earth could stop orbiting something, which, first of all, I don't know how that would happen, but I guess that it could, and then sustain life. Please, astrophysicists and astrobiologists and astro-everything, please do tell me, please. Pornyapskari at gmail.com Yeah, I I would also like to know the answer, because my understanding of solar systems and planetary orbits is that it's well it's like earth's orbit on a bigger scale and that we're in the sun's gravity so it would take a huge amount of force to knock us off our orbit but even at that rate it would have to knock us right out of the sun's gravity like if if it was only a little bump to knock us off our current orbit surely we'd just go into a new orbit that's maybe further out yeah. So unless this was like the last planet on the solar system and it just got knocked clear out of the sun's gravity. But you'd imagine that that would take a pretty forceful impact that would probably destroy a planet. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm trying to imagine what it takes to take us out of orbit, right? Imagine we're Pluto, we're the last ones. Like, it, it doesn't have to be like that, but just for escaping purposes let's say we're the last ones if we're our size something the size of the moon would have to hit us very very fast to get us out of orbit yeah if it was bigger than the moon however which would make it so it doesn't have to be that fast it would have its own gravity so it would also destroy the planet so like what makes a planet go out of orbit but not catch onto another orbit? Because even comets have orbits. Like, even if it's a long one. Like, Pluto wasn't a planet for one orbit. For one year, quote-unquote. Because it, it takes so long for Pluto to turn around the sun that he was catalogued a planet 
and then cataloged as a dwarf planet, and it hadn't even been a year in Pluto. And it's so far away. It it has an orbit. It like it doesn't make sense to me how a planet can go. Nothing in space goes anywhere without an orbit, because we are orbiting the sun, and the sun is orbiting in the galaxy, and the galaxy is orbiting other galaxies because we're all like. It's just the science of this episode frustrates me. Yeah, it is frustrating. Which is why I looked it up. Okay. I looked up rogue planets on Wikipedia. I'm obviously not going to read out the full thing, but a rogue planet is an interstellar object of planetary mass which is not gravitationally bound to any star or brown dwarf. Rogue planets originate from planetary systems in which they are formed and later ejected they can also form on their own outside a planetary system. However, I think this episode does specify that this was one that was ejected, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So the Milky Way alone may have billions to trillions of rogue planets. How does that Which is mind-blowing. I mean, but again, that just says how much we don't know how big space is. Some planetary mass objects may have formed in a similar way to stars... And here's the interesting bit. Interstellar planets generate little heat and are not heated by a star. However, in 1998, David J. Stevenson theorized that some planet-sized objects adrift in interstellar space might sustain a thick atmosphere that would not freeze out. He proposed that these atmospheres would be preserved by the pressure-induced far infrared radiation opacity of a thick hydrogen containing atmosphere right yeah so i think what happened here is they were looking for something that wasn't a ship or an inhabited planet to keep it fresh and keep it new and they found this study that said that most of them can't sustain life and heat and whatever but some may and they were like good enough for me again i'm i say this in every episode i'm not a scientist <laughs> um but it doesn't make sense logically for me and i have another the last uh comment that i wrote mm-hmm. the vocal fry is too much when the bad guys i.e the hunters were at the end of the episode were kind of explaining that, you know, they've been doing this for years. The guy speaks like this and it's just so annoying. My father was sure that they had them cut off. But when they moved in, the race were waiting. They'd read the hunters' minds. They knew their plan. My father made it out, and only two of his friends survived. Like, it got annoying to listen to. And I know that we all do it sometimes. I I do it all the time. I really actually enjoy just being like, uh, because I'm stupid. <laughs> um, but sometimes when it doesn't need to be, you're just stalking. Just stalk. Don't try to pretend like you're, you know, 
so cool and mysterious. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I liked it. I liked it. Okay. Well, thankfully you're not gay or attracted to men. I don't think you would like it so much. No, yeah, but I mean, obviously that story about the, the wraiths killing like all of his grandfather's party except three, that was a very awesome story and it made the wraiths sound very awesome. And I think his vocal intonations or whatever you want to call them added to the awesomeness. It's called vocal fry. Vocal fry? F or Y? Fry, as in potato fries. And that's when, you know when usually white women from California speak like this, because it's like Kim Kardashian, like they're, they're so sexy. That's it. And it's very annoying. Okay. Okay. Some people just have that voice and it's their voice, but we can see that it's not the actor's voice because he doesn't do it all the time. So if you're trying to make yourself look mysterious or hurt or, you know, give it an edge, you would put this kind of voice. It's just like, it's so annoying. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> Which is okay. a shame because I can do it whenever I want. But yeah. Could it be said that Batman is doing a vocal cry? I thought we were going to say, could it be sex? And I'm like, I mean, I guess for oh, some no. people. No. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be said yes. that Batman is doing a vocal fry? Oh, yes, constantly. I'm Batman. Okay. I'm Batman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I had a few things I wanted to say about the episode. And you wait until we're an hour into recording to say that? Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to... So, when they first land on the planet, hmm. and they're exploring and... To Paul says that the ship is in a certain direction, and Reed says, "Follow me." <laughs> and Archer just gets really snarky and is like, "Follow me." Why don't you let me play captain for a while, Malcolm? That that I hate that I agreed with Reed. Well, it's not that I agreed with Reed, but I was. I think. It's probably wise to not let the captain go first, right. but also yeah. I feel like Archer is just completely overreacting because he says it as if Reed has been kind of taking over captain role for the whole episode, and we're literally ten minutes in, and it's the first time he's done it. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I I agree. It came off as very weird because, like, it's basically the first time he says anything in this episode, like not literally. I don't know, but like it's not like he has been one-upping the captain. But also, if they're in an abandoned anything and you don't know what is going on and there's a strange ship and you're in a reconnaissance mission, let the armor or the security officer deal with being the first because he'll probably be prepared to attack anything or defend or whatever. So... 
it makes sense that Reed goes first because he's the security officer on the landing party. Yeah, it it stood out to me as just being really and weird. They start with the Eagle Scout thing. Yeah, I had questions about that too. I mean, what's the status of Earth and the different nations at this point? Are they all just unified now? Or No, I don't think so. I feel like Eagle Scouts don't go to fucking New Zealand to get badges. Listen, I don't know. Summer camp at the other end of the planet. And then obviously Reed's in the Eagle Scouts as well. I mean, I know Boy Scout did kind of a, a global thing, but I still didn't think they did international trips. Yeah. Like, if you're in the States, I would understand going to Canada or Mexico, but not, like, <laughs> New Zealand. Um, my my final two notes, then, on this episode, and they're very small, and they're not really to do with the episodes. Well, they are. I think I'd find it very confusing. I, I enjoyed their night vision monocles oh yeah i don't understand but i would that. imagine that would be very confusing to view things in two different colors yeah so first of all um why only in one eye it doesn't make sense maybe they just had a really low budget and they just c- couldn't afford we can either make a really small number of normal two eye glasses or we can make twice the amount of monocles <laughs> uh i don't know i, d- I didn't like the glasses I feel like if you only were one eye with a glass of any kind, it would not be effective. But who knows? Yeah. And then the the final thing that I wanted to say, and this is just general point about the show. Mm-hmm. I'm I I I want more Mayweather. Yes. Reed is now a more developed character than Mayweather. That is a lie. He's still not developed, but he's being given ample no, ample he isn't right. opportunities. No, Andrea, we. No, we got the we got the Shuttlepod one episode and the the traumatic breakthrough that both characters clearly remember and have been affected by in the long term. He has been given more opportunities. Reed Mayweather Mayweather hurt his leg on a comet. Reed has been given more opportunities to flesh out, but didn't. Mayweather had one, and I still think I know him more. Hmm. <laughs> no. I I'm not saying I'm not saying I like We're, we're agreeing. More. We're agreeing. Let's just agree to move on because we're agreeing. We want more Mayweather. Give us more Mayweather, please. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll agree with that. <laughs> okay. That's all I have to say on this episode. It was fine. I didn't dislike it like you did, but I didn't love it either. The science of it just took me out of it. The lack of the the false false science. Though in this podcast episode, we did prove that the science was sound, but it still don't make sense. So it's still fake science. Any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, no. I'm ready for next episode. Yeah, so, <laughs> so am I. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that. We'll ch- tune in next week, guys. But for the moment, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with episode 18, Acquisition. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at PodMeUpScotty. And if you'd like to get in touch, as we said, you can email us at PodMeUpScotty at gmail.com. And if you like the show, you can follow us in your podcast app and please leave a review. That's always helpful. 
and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Scotty, come in. Ready to beam up. Beam us up home. Just say hello when you hear this. Hello. Hello. Oh, it's very it like it, it takes a while for you to answer me. Really? How take a while? Okay, let's do it again. Hello. Hello. Okay, that was quicker. Maybe you weren't prepared. <laughs>